When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Yo, I'm D1, and I just jumped off the porch, you heard me? With Dirty Glove Bastard. Nipsey Hustle of New Orleans, I'm blessing these streets. TD Jakes over 808s, blessing these beats. I'm Joe Clark when I teach. All right, so we got my boy D1 jumping off the porch with us today. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. No problem, man. How you feeling today, man? Man, I feel uh, blessed to be here, bro. You know, every day above ground, man. I, I, just, I just thank God. Um, I'm doing something I love. I got a new album out. That mug is doing phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Um, What's that to complain about? <laughs> nah, that's you know real, I mean? man. Yeah. Nah, I appreciate you coming by today, too, man. Yeah. Definitely, man. All right, man. So let's take it back, man. So first of all, let's just kind of talk about the culture out there in New Orleans and, like, what were some of the things you experienced growing up out there, too? Yeah, so I grew up in New Orleans East, you heard me? Um, that's a portion of what we call the Ninth Ward in New Orleans. Okay. And um, we didn't have representation that much in the rap game growing up. Most of the rappers, no limited cash money, were from uptown, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Manny Fresh was from the Seven Wars, so that was downtown. That's, okay. my, that's our section. Um, and Mr. Magic, you know, rest in peace. Um, he, he represented the Ninth Ward. But um, as far as the East, we didn't have any representation. So uh, where I grew up at, the section I grew up in, is called the Goose, you know, and um, I'm rare, you know, I'm rare. Like where I come from for my life to have turned out how I did, um, I'm rare, man. And, and I oftentimes I think about like, why me? Like why was I able to escape the trenches, hmm. you know? And I think I was able to escape the trenches because, uh, because my parents, what they knew they couldn't provide financially, they made up for it with love, you know? They made up for it with love and with uh, exposing me to good educational opportunities. So I used to go to school all the way across town, man, like, like 40 minutes away from my crib, you know oh, what I mean? Wow. We would take that trek every day. My daddy had to camp out to get me into this school for kindergarten, really, really prestigious school, public school. Um, shout out to Audubon Montessori, that's the name of it. And my pops uh, camped out, you know, to, to literally allow me to have an opportunity to get into this school, because it was in high demand. And him camping out overnight, sleeping in, in the elements, you know, on the street corner, um, changed the rest of my life, honestly, because you know, despite what I was growing up around, and you know, you're growing up around poverty, violence. Um, my best friend is no longer here. He was a victim of being murdered. Um, one of my other best friends, he's doing 20 years right now. It used to be six of us growing up. And it's funny how one day somebody came and spoke to our class and was like, one out of every three black males is gonna end up dead or in jail, right? Dead by the age of 25 or in jail. And by the time we made 25, um, out of six of us, one was dead and one was in jail. Oh, wow. It's crazy when, when, you, when you see statistics um, actually like coming to life, you know? Yeah. So that's why I say I'm, I'm, I'm rare, man, that I'm a success story um, where I come from. Absolutely. You feel me? Did you even have any temptations like to jump off into the streets or? Yeah, I had temptations because uh, it was all around me. You know, I yeah. wanted to be a hot boy, uh, <laughs> like for real. <laughs> so jumping off into the streets, jumping off the porch, you know yeah. what I mean? Literally off the porch. That was like a rite of passage as a young man growing up in New Orleans. So it was like, cool, at what age are you going to jump out there and really earn your stripes in the streets? And when you see your friends around you starting to jump off the porch, it's like, well, when is my time coming? And it was my daddy and my papa you know my grandfather they really always 
like deterred me from jumping off the porch because it was like, man, as tempting as that might seem, I'm seeing a real man in the house every night that ain't jumped off the porch. My pops is a welder. You feel me? Like my daddy getting up at four o'clock in the morning, driving an hour to work, working all day. My grandpa is a plasterer, you know what I'm saying? These are blue collar workers. And I'm just seeing the type of work they putting in is different from the type of work that these other people putting in. And that's how I know that that, that presence, uh, that, that, that male presence, you know, is something that can counteract what the streets are like pulling us into. Cause I'm listening to the hot boys. I'm wanting to be a hot boy. Um, I'm wanting to jump off the porch as much as anybody else, trust me. And I'm like, you know, I come from the section. I know all the people that could get me in, in, in the mix, you know what I mean? And, and I'm, down, I'm down for it. But I never really, I never really took that route. Yeah. You ended up going to LSU, right? I did. I did. So I graduated from high school um, and it was like, same thing. Going to college wasn't even an option for me. It was, it was something I always aspired to do. And going to LSU wasn't the plan at first. Um, you know, my plan was to go play ball, like to go play yeah. basketball. I was nice. And I would have had to go to a small school and play ball. So I didn't want to go to some small, obscure school and, and hoop. So instead, I went to LSU, just to be honest with you, I was chasing behind uh, the, 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 the woman I was in a relationship with at the time. And I, she went to LSU. So I was like, well, that's where I'm going, you know? <laughs> and when I got there, she ended up cheating on me with a football player. Oh, yeah. wow. You heard me like, first semester, dog. First semester. Bro, messed me up, bro. So uh, I got to say this about LSU too. That first year really tested my, um, my grit and my willpower because not only did I get cheated on, you know, by my old lady and that ended, but um, one of my best friends from New Orleans, uh, he ended up getting murdered that year. I got the text message while I was in English class. I'll never forget. Um, one of my friends texted me and told me my boy had just gotten killed. Um, and he was like the only other like person trying to like, like really, you know, come up out them trenches where we grew up. You know, he, he was in college and, and all that stuff. He got killed. Um, my roommate at the time started selling dope out of our dorm room, you know, and this is a dude whose parents got money. This is a dude who, bro, you ain't gotta be doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you wanting to recreate your, your, the character that you are now that we in college. And I'm seeing all this stuff happening, man. And just me and him got into it, fell out. I had to switch rooms, you know what I'm saying? And then I got cut from the basketball team. I tried to walk on at LSU. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, so it was a lot of L's I took that first year, man, over there. So. I definitely understand the L in LSU, you know, like that, that <laughs> freshman year, boy, took some L's, bro. But you stuck with it and graduated, right? I did. I thought about dropping out. Um, I thought about dropping out. Uh, one, one night I was studying for an accounting exam, you heard me, in the, uh, the quad. That's like the big courtyard at LSU. And I was finna walk into the library to study. And I was like, man, all those things that just happened to me over the course of this year, if I wanted to drop out right now, I'd be able to do it and I wouldn't even be mad at myself. I would feel like, oh yeah, bro, you, you, you know, you deserve this. You're going through so much stress and turmoil. You could, you could just quit now. But one day I knew that I would be sitting in front of people who look like me, younger versions of myself, and I would one day have to tell my story to them. And when I'm telling them my story, it literally dawned on me, Hayes, that uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to tell them that when I had that that moment where I came to that fork in the road, I decided to quit and, and, and give up in that moment. I didn't want to have to say that to other people. And I didn't know who these people would be, but I knew that there was going to be a time in my life where I was going to be having to talk about that season I was going through in, in my world. And that's what made me say, nah, man, I got to keep going. Because when I tell that story, I want to be able to say that I bossed up and I kept going and I became a champ, you know? Yeah, nice. Nah, Real to talk, you for that, man. Yeah. Uh, I was watching one of your other interviews, and um, you mentioned this, uh, someone held a gun to your head during a robbery, and yeah. that incident kind of changed like your outlook on life. Yeah, bro, it, it, and it's, um, I'm gonna tell you this, just cause I rock with you on this type of level. Um, that happened during college as well, and uh, it's somebody that's really well known, bro, um, and me saying who it is on camera, um, or start a whole bunch of you know stuff, but it's a really well-known artist. I just say that who it wasn't them, but it was people affiliated with them, hmm. and it was a 
total, total situation that was like blown out of proportion. Me and my partner, we out there playing basketball, playing one-on-one -on -one at our apartments. And you know, uh, this person's people coming through and they trying to like, they trying to ride for their homie. Basically something that happened with him uh, that they thought we might've been the, the people who, who did this, you know what I mean? Uh, total, we had nothing, bro. We so confused at the time. Next thing I know, guns coming out, you know, they try to rob us. Um, so it's like, all right, if y'all gonna try to rob us, now nah, we just gonna... When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I had to fight, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all ain't finna just take our stuff. So right, right when I'm thinking it's about to be that, that's when the gun come out. That's when the gun on my temple. That's when I'm sitting back down and I'm just sitting here like this. And all I'm thinking about is, damn, my partner just died about a year ago. The same type of way, literally. The one who they, I got the text message in class telling me about. And all I had time to think of was, damn, I'm about to go out the same way as my boy, um, my boy Ryan. And thankfully, man, it's random. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Random girl walking on the second floor of the apartments, walking to her apartment. She looked down on the basketball court and she sees all this happening and she kind of gasped like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Type stuff. And that caught all of our attention. Everybody heard her. And when they looked up and seen that, they were kind of like, man, put that up, put that up. You know what I mean? And, and so they just did that and they ran off with our stuff, you know? Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'm not even mad at those dudes and I'm not even mad at the artists, you know what I mean? Um, I've met the artists since then. And um, when I met him, I didn't have any part of me that felt angry or felt like he was responsible because he didn't even know. We actually know each other now. Um, and uh, one day when I get a one-on-one -on -one opportunity, I plan on uh, telling him this story because um, it just speaks about the influence that we have as artists and how much the people around us are willing to ride for us just to earn a stripe, you know what I mean? With us, just to earn our approval. Like, they'll be willing to go and rob somebody on your behalf, or they'll be willing to go and get revenge and potentially kill somebody, you know? All the people that D1 has been able to bless and affect and impact in this world, that almost didn't happen because somebody wanted to earn a stripe, you know? So, I know we're going to, you know, the circle's too small. Um, I know we're going to get that opportunity to, you know, to talk one day. And hopefully that conversation will bring about um, just a level of, uh, a level of humility to where it's like a teachable moment for all of us of how we should be, you know, mindful of the impact we have in, on, on others. Because a lot of times we caught up in our world and we like, man, I'm just doing me. I'm just being me. Like, I don't know how it's impacting other people. I'm just living my life. I'm being who God made me to be. But it's like, nah, bro, there's like a reverb. There's like a, there's like a vibration to whatever we put out there, bro, because we them boys. Like, we, we the ones that was chosen to have these platforms and to be making this money and, and doing what we love. Like, anything we say on a record, it got a reverberating effect. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's rappers that's not here no more, but... Tupac's lyrics, Soldier Slim, coming from New Orleans, Soldier Slim's lyrics is still raising a generation. You know what I'm saying? Like, we gotta just be aware of that. And then at that point, it's up to every man to decide, now that I'm more aware of this, does it matter to me? Do I care more about what I'm doing with my platform? That's still up to each man. But to the ones who don't, uh, who potentially don't know the impact of their, um, of their aura, their presence and their music and, and what they represent, um, you know, I want to have that type of conversation, you know. Yeah. 
How far into your career were you when you kind of realized that and became aware of that as well? Yeah, that's a good question, bro. So uh, when I almost got killed, you know what I mean? Uh, at that time, I was a college student, right? Um, when, I, when I graduated college, I didn't have this story of like I became successful overnight. I had to become a teacher first. You know, I was literally a teacher. As a teacher, bro, I saw firsthand how much my students were impacted by their favorite artists. You know, every day I'm seeing students come to school with the Boosie Fade. I taught in Baton Rouge. I'm from New Orleans, but I taught in Baton Rouge, right? Uh, in Baker, to be exact. Um, I'm seeing them come to school with the Boosie Fades. I'm seeing students come to school wanting to be like Lil Wayne. One of my students had an MOB tattoo, right? And I was like, bro, you know MOB. In middle school. Yeah, this middle is school. wild. Yeah, I'm like, dog, you was a wild little dude, bro. Like, you know what that means? And he was like, no, sir, Mr. Augustine, I don't know what that means. I was like, then why did you get it tatted? And he said, because Lil Wayne got it. Lil Wayne got it tatted on his chest. And I was like, wow. Like, I'm seeing the correlation, you know. Uh, I'm seeing this when Nicki Minaj is like first, first becoming like the top chick in the whole game. I'm seeing the young ladies, you know, start to like take on more of her mannerisms and, 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 and whatnot. And, and I'm just seeing it. So for me, with my music, by the time I stopped teaching, I was already aware of like the impact of our words and our actions and whatnot. I already knew, man, I already knew. So I didn't come into the rap game looking for validation or acceptance from people. I came into the rap game on a mission to really change the status quo and, and to try to succeed, but on my terms. And I knew that was gonna be hard, especially coming from New Orleans. Like, yeah. that's gonna be very hard, you know what I mean? Everybody, everybody was like, bruh, you got it, you clearly got the it factor, but man, just, you ain't gotta not curse in your music, bro. You ain't gotta like, you ain't gotta, you know, be vocal about, you know, what you're trying to change about the world or whatever, whatever. Basically telling me there's an easier route to make it, you know? And I'm like, bro, like, when we say we have faith in God, you know, faith is believing in something that you can't see. So if I really have faith in God, then, I should, I should have confidence that I'm going to be able to make it without there being a predecessor before me that, that did it or without it seeming like it's an easy route. I should still have that faith that I'm going to do it, you know, as long as I'm honoring God. So that's been my, my mission, bro. If I, if I make, if I make, uh, if I make it to where God is a fan of what I'm doing, you know, not that I'm perfect, but if I make it to where God is a fan of what I'm doing, how am I not going to be blessed? You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's, that's just the confidence that I walked in this industry with from day one, you know? So everything I've been able to achieve is come from that place of like, bro, y'all ain't gotta understand me, y'all ain't gotta like me, but watch where I end up. Watch where I end up. Yeah. yeah. I wanna get insight on some of these uh, big songs that you had in your career, D. So let's start with the uh, J50 and Wheezy, man. What was your inspiration when you created this song? So I was a teacher when I made that song. So the inspiration was my students being lost and misguided and me knowing that the rappers that they listen to, they know all of their lyrics. They, they memorize all these lyrics to these rap songs. Meanwhile, these rappers ain't even living this life. These rappers, they might've lived this life in the past, but currently I'm knowing for a fact that at the time, Jay-Z, 50 Cent and Lil Wayne, y'all not living that life. Y'all not killing people. Y'all not actively selling dope, but you're rapping about it. And people that's of age, like me and you, we know, okay, it's just entertainment or he's rapping about his past. But these little kids, man, they really thinking that that's how them dudes rocking at the time. So mm -hmm. it's making the kids want to emulate that at an at a earlier age, in middle school and in high school. I'm seeing this. That's why I wrote that song. Um, that song changed my life. And I just did part two. It's been 10 years. I saw that. It's, it's, just, it's been album. 10 years yeah. since I did that song, bro. And I was like, so 10 years later, what's the update? J50 and Weezy, you know, um, and I don't want to spoil the song for everybody, but I did part two on my new album I just dropped called Finding Balance. And um, Jay-Z has clearly evolved. Um, Lil Wayne still has potential, you know what I mean, in my opinion. 50 Cent, man, you just, you ain't, you ain't worried about evolving, bro. 50, 50, I feel like, is worried about evolving uh, 
in a way that will just make more money, you know, by any means necessary. So I speak about that on the song, but I speak about just the state of hip hop in general on the song too. But J50 and Wheezy, the first version that changed my life, that brought me from a local rapper to a nationwide artist who had record deals on the table from majors. Um, and that, that cracked the door open for me. And all I did for the last decade, a little more than a decade now, more like 11, 11 years or so, all I've done is just that door that got cracked open, I kicked that mug open and I done made a lane for myself, you know, because of that song. No, nah, absolutely, man. Um, next song I want to ask you about is uh, My Student Got Murdered, man. Yeah, so that's a true story um, about my man. Uh, I mean, students who went to the school, they know who I'm talking about. I don't even want you know, put his name out there and, and relive that trauma for his loved ones. But uh, this is my actual student who got killed. And at the time he got murdered, um, I was in Los Angeles. I had just signed a record deal with RCA Records. And I was out there recording my first EP with them. And I'm in Calabasas, literally um, posted up, living the life of a signed artist, you know what I mean? Big time in it. And um, everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And I got, I got that call from one of my students telling me that my dude had just gotten uh, killed. And that stuff, um, you know, that stuff messed me up because it's like, it's like one of your real kids getting killed, bro. Like, it hurt like that, or it's like, it's like a real sibling, like a real little brother, I'ma say that. It's like a real, like your little brother gets killed. So I had the courage to do a song about it. Um, also knowing the young man who was on the other side, you know, of the gun. That's why I called it Both Sides of the Gun. That's like mm-hmm. the subtitle for that song. Cause, uh, and I rap about it from each of their perspectives. And um, man, it's just a sad part of life, bro. It's just a sad part of life, man. Right now, I'm picturing I'm picturing dude's face in my head, like just with that smile that he had always had, that innocent smile, man, like when I was his teacher and just, you know, it's just crazy. It's just like, this how the world is sometimes, man. So it's moments like that that make me, uh, that make me proud to want to go against the grain, you know what I mean? Because we need somebody that's going, we need somebody that's going to like speak up against, um, against all the things that's contributing to, to, to that, you know, to that type of stuff happening. And, and that's it. And it's not cool. It's not always sexy. It's not always, you know, fun. But yeah, like a song like that, um, you know, that song has, uh, that song has done a lot for, uh, for a lot of people who've been through that type of situation. It's, it's been like, you know, ther- it's been therapy. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just started going to real therapy in real life so I can, understand what therapy is. Therapy don't just give you all the answers instantly. Like, it ain't like the therapist just gonna say, all right, here's the key to all your problems in life. Nah, but it's a process of unpacking stuff that you may have been dealing with and had building up all this time. So that song helped. Why do you think there's such a big stigma about like men going to therapy? Because it's seen as a sign of weakness. You know, as men, we're supposed to always be able to just thug it out and tough it out. Um, That's what we're taught. Um, I don't know any men in my life who I respect, whoever uh, even spoke about therapy, you know. Um, my daddy has never told me he loved me, you know, to this day. And I know my daddy loved me. My grandpa has never told me he loves me. And I know my papa loves me, you know what I mean? Like, there's just a, a wall that uh, we have up as men a lot of times to where I think it's not until this current generation that we in, probably like the last five years or so to where men uh, being more open with their emotions is not seen as a, a, a negative, you know, stigma attached to it, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. Uh, next song, I'm Not Perfect, man. Oh, yeah. Man, did you expect this song to be so big? To be so big. Bro, every time, um, every time I played that song for people before I put it out, uh, they were like, no, man, no, bro, no, D, don't, don't put this out, bro. This is gonna box you in. If you're doing a song <laughs> saying that you're a Christian, this is gonna box you in to people saying that you're a Christian rapper, right? And I just got to the point where I was like, bro, whatever box people try to put me in, that's fine. Because I know that what I'm doing transcends any boxes, you know? And what happened was, Hayes, I had just came off tour 
with Macklemore. You mm -hmm. heard me? My dog. Uh, shout out to Macklemore out of Seattle, man. That tour we went on, he was the hottest rapper in the world at the time. He had just put Thrift Shop out yeah. and uh, uh, Can't Hold Us and all these multi-platinum songs independently. And on that tour, I was so concerned with trying to fit in and appeal to his audience on that tour that I was like trying to figure out every night, man, what songs can I perform that these people are gonna like, right? And I figured it out because I'm a talented dude, you heard me? I figured out, oh, I could do this and these people are gonna like this song or I could kind of come across like this and these people are like me. And every night I made a lot of, you know, bread, you know, by the grace of God and like just had a great time on that tour. But when I came home back to New Orleans, um, I felt empty. And the reason why my pockets didn't feel empty, you know what I mean? But the reason why I felt empty is because I was like, man, I had this big old huge platform all across the country for all these shows. And I didn't even really do me every night. I was trying to just be a version of him that I thought would appeal to them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this the black dude with dreadlocks that kind of gives us Macklemore vibes, so we'll, we'll accept him. And I realized that like, Man, if I die today, I don't want people to just think I'm a positive dude, you know what I'm saying? Or he's a positive, friendly guy. I want people to know first and foremost, I'm a man of God, you hear me? And I'm proud to be that. And that's, that comes before anything. That comes before me being black. That comes before me being from New Orleans. That comes before me being a rapper, a teacher, any of that stuff. And, and I was like, dang, I can't get that time or that tour back. All 50 cities, I can't go back right now. But what I can do is start to make music to where I show the totality of who I am, you know, not just a part of it. And I'm like, yeah, like, let me, let me make a bold song that is going to uh, let everybody know if they're wondering, you know what I mean? If you're wondering, that's like, if somebody wondering, you know, I think this person might be, you know, this, this type of way, like I noticed, you know, in his music, he not cursing. And I notice, you know, he just always trying to do something positive. I wonder where he stand. I wonder what he believe in. I want you to know what I believe in. So I did the song, I'm Not Perfect. And anytime I've taken a chance like that in my career, and hopefully this inspires people watching this, anytime I've taken that chance on a J15 Weezy, or I'm Not Perfect, or the type of songs that make me kind of like uncomfortable, like how is it gonna be accepted? But the fact that I didn't let fear prevent me from putting that stuff out, those have always been the songs that have, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Taking things to the next level. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta take that chance. You man. got to, bro, you got, you got to. Taking a chance on yourself, like that's the best bet that you could ever make in life, you know? Absolutely, man. And he came back with that Sally Mae back. Yeah, yeah, same thing, dog. It's in the same category. Yeah. I made a song about paying my student loans off. Like, Which no one ever does. Exactly, right? and it's like, bro, I'm like, bro, this song fire, this song jamming. And the record label that I was signed to, I'm independent now, proudly independent. At the time, man, the people at RCA, um, at least my staff, man, they were so opposed to that song, bro. <laughs> they were like, yo, this is not gonna work. We're not putting this out. We're not backing this song. No, no, and more no. And, um, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna just shoot a video and I'm gonna just put it out on my own as like an unofficial release. It mm -hmm. won't be on DSPs for streaming at first or at all, but I'm just gonna put it out as a little promo single, you know what I mean? And the video start going viral and blowing up. Next thing you know, I got a partnership with Sally Mae. Yeah, you went on tour. You went <laughs> on tour, tour with Sally Mae paying for it. You know what, <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Like, you know, and when I, when I got paid from signing my record deal, you know, I'm thinking like, yo, this that check that Kanye and everybody always talk about when you get signed, you get that big check and what you gonna do? Man, when I started getting that Sally Mae, you know what I mean, partnership, I'm like, that made the record deal look like <laughs> McDonald's, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's McDonald's money, man. So it's just crazy how, once again, um, you gotta really embrace who you are, almost to the point where you're uncomfortably honest with people. Um, and that's for me. That's what I realized. Everybody, some people don't really tell, some people don't really rap from a first person perspective. They rap like they're narrating the life around them. You know what I mean? And they're narrating what they see in the world around them. I'm not that person. I'm that person that's gonna rap about um, what I'm going through most times. And I just find that the more real I'm prepared to be, um, the more doors that uh, tend to open. Yeah. And at one point you turned down a deal with Cash Money? I did. I turned down my childhood heroes, bro. 
<laughs> I grew up, you couldn't tell me I wasn't the fifth hot boy, you heard me, like for real growing up. And to have an opportunity to sign with him was really, um, it was really uh, gratifying to my ego and, and, and whatnot. It just made me feel like really good, like, yeah. But then uh, education, man, like me being educated and me not being desperate made it to where I could look at what's being offered and I could honestly be like, although I grew up on these dudes and would want to be affiliated so much, um, I can honestly say no, because this makes absolutely no sense, you know? And also, not even just the contract, but just in my spirit, you know? It's like, if you've, if you've been at the cafeteria table, you know, uh, your whole life, and you look and you're like, dang, that's where the cool kids are sitting, over there at that table. I wish I could sit over there and be accepted by them, right? That's how you're thinking at one point as a freshman, right? Mm -hmm. Now it's to the point where you're a sophomore and you, you've been in school a little longer and you kind of know yourself and you still see that table and you see how popular those people are at that table. But now you know what you represent to the point where when they invite you over to that table and you come over there, you can actually sit down and be like, huh, this is cool that I'm over here. At one time, it was a dream to sit over at this table, but not. Man, I can't really be myself. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Self-comfortably over here, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm not finna change y'all, you know what I mean? Y'all been at this table since before I even went to this school. Yeah. So what we gonna do, you know? And, um, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, willing to, uh, I'm willing to bet on myself that if I, that if I respectfully choose to not uh, sit over here at this table with y'all uh, moving forward, that um, I'll be okay. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna starve. I'ma still eat in this cafeteria, you yeah. heard me? And I've been eating for a long time, bro. I totally feel that, man. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you came up here with Mac recently, man. So how did you manage to build that relationship while he was behind bars? Yeah, because I was doing uh, prison ministry, bro. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was connected with uh, an OG in Baton Rouge named Silky Slim. Mm -hmm. Silky Slim is Lil Boosie's OG. Silky Slim is anybody who came up in Baton Rouge, they know about Silky Slim, man. Like he, he you know, he, he did a lot, he did a lot of stuff in, in them streets in his past, but he turned his life all the way around. He did a 180, right? From being the most notorious street dude to now being an activist that's out here changing the world, right? And him and my brother, the hip hop doc, this is an actual doctor in Baton Rouge who um, uses hip hop. And when I was coming out of college, like, um, I couldn't really get the cosigns of the rappers, you know, that were around. Like people would see me and I'd be trying to sign with them and get with them. And I couldn't get the rappers to co-sign me. But this doctor, he believed in me, bro. And he was like, man, look, you gonna make it, bro. Like you got something special. Um, and he was like, listen, I'm trying to use hip hop to help, you know, educate the students in, in, in our state in Louisiana about things like uh, staying active, eating healthy, um, understanding the, the warning signs for strokes and you know, understanding just how to have a more active, healthy lifestyle. So I basically, um, basically became like a ghostwriter, you know what I'm saying? And, and basically like we, like we partnered up and, and you know, he, he, like he writes some of his own rhymes too, but we would partner up and we created these songs that would be in all the schools, like about health stuff, right? So I partnered with him and Silky Slim, long story short, bro, about Mac. Um, one day they were like, look, man, the prison wants us to come and, uh, and uh, Elaine Hunt's Correctional Center, they want us to come and speak to the inmates, right? D, you down to go? We know you ain't never been in this environment before, you know, like, are you down to go and, and, and speak with us? And I was like, man, definitely, man. Like, why would I not? And as we enter in the gates, uh, Silky Slim turned and looked at me in the back seat and he was like, you know, uh, he was like, D, who you said your favorite rappers was growing up? And I was like, Nas and Mac. And he was like, you know this where Mac at, right? <laughs> and I was like, bro, you lying. You gotta be lying. You, you, you can't be serious right now. And he was like, yeah, this where Mac at, you about to meet him. And I was like, bro, this is crazy. So I, uh, 
Uh, I met Mac that day, and when I met him, it was like meeting the big brother that you never had. You know, it's like somebody who you look at, like we got a lot of similarities, tall, slim, left-handed, from New Orleans, intelligent, but really know about the streets a whole lot, you know what I mean? Lyrical, you know, all this type of stuff. And I'm literally meeting this dude, and the only difference between us is he's behind bars for a crime he ain't even commit, you know? And I'm out here in the streets, and I'm rapping, and I'm on that real hip-hop, conscious, positive, you know, stuff, godly stuff. But I'm really in the back of my mind thinking, Man, I'm seeing Kevin Gates blow up. I'm seeing, you know, Boosie blow up. I'm seeing all these other artists from my state blow up. And they doing something that I know I could rap about that if I wanted to. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, and I'm debating if I should change my style and kind of, you know, become, become that. Because this is before I'm teaching. This is before I'm teaching. So this is before I got the revelation of like, man, these kids need, you know, some realness in their life. So I'm thinking about jumping over to that side of things. Um, when I met Mac, he was like, young brother, I see so much of myself in you. He was like, but the only way I'm gonna uh, uh, forge a friendship with you and, and continue to be cool with you is, uh, is if you don't change up. I want you to be exactly who you are, the dude that I'm meeting right now. And I want you to continue down that path because that's what makes you special. And that's what you know, I connect with is that side of you, not just another dude from the city that's trying to make it in the rap game by any means necessary. So for Mac, for one of your childhood heroes to tell you this and basically blackmail you and say, I'm only gonna be cool with you. I'm only gonna be cool with you if you just stay, um, stay the course. It's like, all right, um, I won't be changing, yeah. you know, so. Can't argue with that. Yeah, you can't argue with that, man. So that's how we got so cool. And, and we just stayed in touch throughout the years. Uh, Every weekend that I wouldn't be out of town, I would go and visit him. Um, you know, we started off writing, just writing letters back and forth. I still got them letters, man. Um, um, then I'd be on the phone list. We talking on the phone every day, like literally, to the point where I'm like, yeah, that's my big brother, like in real life, you know? Oh, that's really dope, man. Yeah. Uh, you and Starlito put out some classic songs, man. Yeah. Uh, talk about that chemistry when you guys are creating, man. Yeah. Um, the first time me and Starlito met, I was uh, contemplating suicide, bro. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I was at a time in my life where uh, I was on the BET Black College Tour. Uh, I was a signed artist, and we, we were doing a show in Nashville at TSU. And um, um, I remember driving to the show, and me and Starlito knew of each other just through social media, through like Twitter or something at the time. And uh, I just connected with just his, you know, just his authenticity, man. Lito, so, you know, he just, he's Lito, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, that being said, man, I was really struggling, bro, like really struggling because uh, I was like, dang, like, who am I? I'm in this industry now, but, you know, I still don't really know, I still don't really know who I am. And I'm kind of, I'm not fully, I'm not being, I'm not living up to the expectations I had for myself, right? As a man and as an artist, I kind of was losing myself a little bit. And people don't even know this, but I knew it. So the day I met Starlito, they got like 20 dudes in the studio, right? Like in Nashville. I DM'd him and I was like, man, I'm in your city, da, da, da. He was like, word, I'm in the studio today. Come pull up, right? I pull up to the studio by myself. Right after my show I did at TSU, I pull up to the studio solo dolo. Um, he got all these dudes in the studio and uh, by the time we actually built, you know, with one another, we chopping it up. First time meeting, first time talking. We building, we chopping it up. Um, and we were going through beats. We were like, let's work on something. We going through beats and that bad combination beat came on. And I got goosebumps right now talking about it. And um, when that bad combination beat came on, uh, little did I know that, you know, he had a lot going on in his personal life as well, to the point where uh, that beat really spoke to us, to the point where all these up-tempo, super high-energy club beats, we were like, nah, nah, next, next, next. When that beat came on, we both looked at each other, and we was like, man, let's do something to this. And we just started writing, and um, psh, that song is classic. Absolutely. That song man. is absolutely classic, bro. And. Uh, you know, by the time we got finished recording, them 20 people in the studio had all left, and it was just me and him in there, you know? And 
bad combination made a lot of sense because even D1 and Starlito, that's like a bad combination to people from the outside looking in. Like, wait, we don't get it. You know, like, where's the chemistry? Where's the synergy? But um, yeah, bro, that's, that's like, I'm like the first cousin of the stepbrothers, you know what yeah. I mean? So if him and Don Trevor are the stepbrothers, I'm the first cousin, because it's just, there's, them Tennessee boys, man, they, they, they got something I really respect about them, about their whole energy and whatnot. So we did, uh, we did that, and then the second time we collabed, um, it was A3C out here in Atlanta, and um, he had a house, he was kind of like, you know, music trapping out the crib, like had an Airbnb or something, they had a studio set up in there, and this was right after we had some shows for A3C. I went and pulled up over there. And just through us organically building and talking, bro, um, the conversation of basketball came up. And we were talking about our childhood. We from the same era, so we were talking mm -hmm. about our childhood favorite players. Of course, Michael Jordan and Kobe, that's the top two names that anybody gonna say from that era. Um, but I was like, bro, you know who I rock with? Like, before all of the Jordan and Kobe, yeah, I'm a fan of them too. I'm like, man, Penny Hardaway. And he looked at me, he was like, man, shut up, man. Shut up, bro, that's my favorite player too. So I was like, for <laughs> real? I was like, dog, we should do a song about Penny Hardaway. And um, there you have it, number one like Penny, yep. you know? We created that sucker. Um, so yeah, and then we got a third song together too that uh, uh, I just kind of threw it out there, but it'll be on my next album. And it's called People Don't Want That Real. It's a mm -hmm. remix, um, it's my song. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Featuring Lito, same thing. Um, uh, I was in Nashville, pulled up on him. Uh, I played a few songs for him that I had been working on, and he heard that one. And he was like, yeah. He was like, man, I want to do this right now. So uh, he went in the boot. 30 minutes later, I had, a, I had a fire verse, you know, so a lot of people, bro, say that we should do a whole tape together. A no, lot, I could definitely see that, man. Yeah, a lot of people say that. So, um, uh, Lito, I don't know which camera you watching, bro, but uh, <laughs> your boy, I'm down to do a tape, bro, you know what I'm saying? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm always down, bro, but even more than that, I respect the relationship that we got more than even music. The fans want a tape, and I'm down for it, but... um. I just thank you for being a real one, you know what I mean? So that's real. Nah, that's what's up, man. Yeah. All right, so find and balance, man. Yeah. Um, so just talk about your inspiration going into this new album. Yeah, so my new album, Find and Balance, was motivated by the passing of my grandmother, Miss Lois Augustine. I got her on my chest right now. Um, she passed away two years ago, February 7th, 2020. Um, and that was hard for me, cause that was, that was my favorite girl in the whole world, man. And um, what it did was, it put me on alert that my life was really out of balance at the time, bro. Uh, I was so focused on just advancing my career that I wasn't, I wasn't putting the necessary time into being uh, a great family man, like I, like I could have and should have. And when she passed away, it was actually a blessing to me that she passed away first. Because if anybody else in my family would have passed away first, um, I don't know if I would have shook back because the level of guilt I would have had about feeling like, dang, I had all these years with this person and I never really maximized my time with them. That guilt, that guilt might have drove me crazy, right? My grandma was the, the only person in my family who I knew that her time here on earth, we definitely maximized our relationship. I knew how she felt about me. She, t she told me often, you know, I told her how I felt about her. Those last few days that she was in the hospital before she passed away, um, I got to spend them just at her bedside and just talking to her. And see, she had, uh, she had, uh, she had took a bad fall and then I believe she had caught a seizure to where um, she wasn't able to speak like her last days, right? Mm -hmm. But she was able to hear, you know what I mean? So. Bro, I just spent so many hours like by her bedside, just um, just telling her how grateful I was for her and how thankful you know I was for all the love she's shown me, man. And to be able to have those moments where I'm pouring my heart out to her and she can't say anything back, but she's able to look me in the eyes, you know what I'm saying, bro? Like, 
Um, man, that stuff probably, those times like changed my outlook on life moving forward. Cause I said, it's no guarantee I would get this opportunity with any of my other loved ones. Yeah. So moving forward, it put me on a two year path towards trying to find balance in my life, bro. To where I know that I'm giving A plus effort in my personal life and my professional life. And, um, you know, just trying to be a better man overall, bro. And I've been making this album for two years. Uh, I've put other albums out in the process. Like I've put several projects out, but this album, Finding Balance, I couldn't put the album out until I feel like I had something that I could uh, teach the world through this album, you know? And I have truly found more balance in my life. Yeah. 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 It looks like fans are loving it. You hit number four on the iTunes charts, man. Man, bro. Big blessing. Highest debut of my career, bro. That's yeah. a blessing so right the there. The fans man. are definitely, um, that's, that's my street team. That's my record label, you know, just the organic, the organic love that I get from everybody, bro. Um, it speaks for itself, you know. And there's some people in this industry who want to see me fail and who have, uh, who have done things, tangible things. They got a dude right now who I'm thinking about just did some stuff that was just so fake, bro. Like, over the past few months, prior to me putting this album out, man. Dude, you know, industry dude. A lot of people know him. And, and I'm just like, bro, um, this is so gratifying when you, can, when you can prove to people like that and even to yourself that, like, man, my fans got me, bro. Like, you could be as snakish and as shysty as you won't be. Like, I'm, I'm gonna be good regardless, you know what I mean? And it ain't even on some revenge stuff. But it's just on some like, bro, you don't mess with one of God's children like this. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's how I feel. So thank you to all the fans. Yeah, absolutely, man. You had a song with Big Crit and Lupe. Yeah. How did that come about? Man? Yeah. So, you know, I went on tour with Lupe uh, okay. a few years ago. And Lupe, just like how Mac is my big brother in this game, mm-hmm. Lupe fiasco, man. Man, bro, like I can't I can't say enough about that brother, man. That brother. um, that brother has changed the course of my career just through his humility, through him genuinely wanting to see a young brother win, you know, and not feeling threatened, not ever feeling like, yo, uh, you know, D, I don't, I don't want to really give you the, the, the secret sauce because then you might usurp me, you know, or take my spot. Just a brother that's so comfortable in who he is. So our friendship is like none other, you know what I mean? It's really a brotherhood and I cherish it. So him getting on the song, this was uh, me playing him some of my album that I was working on at the time and being in the studio with him, listening to his album. The key is I never go into relationships with people just wanting something. I try to see how can I add value to them. Um, So I was listening to Lupe's album that he was working on at the time and I stayed in the studio the whole night and I listened to his album and I gave input and all that stuff. And it wasn't until right at the end when, uh, when he was about to leave, that I asked him if I could play a song or two for him. And I didn't even get to play two, because when I played that first song, he was like, <laughs> that's it. He was like, you want me to hop on this? I was like, uh, I would love that. Okay, and he told the engineer, cue it up, bam, bam, bam. And he went in there. And I got the video footage of him in there, off the dome, bro, coming up with this verse. So that's how I got Lupe on it. And Big Crit, me and Big Crit, we've been crossing paths for a long time now, man. Both Southern boys, Mississippi, Louisiana, um, in this game, man really some just two unique artists man so it's always been mutual respect with me and big crit so uh so him getting on the song was a blessing as well truly blessed me man and uh that's how i got them on there bro like my collabs come about because of like friendships most times friendships or personal connections it ain't just random dming and our artist is like, sure, I'll hop on it. You got a lot of followers, D? I bet I'll hop on it. It's usually personal relationships. Yeah. You're about to go this Not Afraid tour. Yeah, I am about to go on tour, man. So the tour starts March 11th. Okay. Um, yeah, we're going to also, we're going to be in Nashville, Atlanta, Charlotte, Austin, Texas, Houston, Memphis, New Orleans, um, and we add most cities daily. You know what I mean? I'll be on tour for the rest of the year. So okay. if anybody wants to see D1, uh, this year, I've been waiting on this man for two years, bro. COVID got in the way for the last two years, yeah. but this year I'm on tour the whole year. So the Not Afraid tour coming to a city near you, um, just search. You know, I ain't hard to find as far as searching missionvisionlifestyle.com. That's my website. You go there and get your tickets, and I look forward to this, man. Cause performing, 
I know I'm a great rapper, but performing, it's a different experience. It's a, it's a different, like, it's, it's beyond being great. It's being, it's a spiritual experience, I think, when I, when I perform and when people are there for it, you know? It's similar to like DMX, who was like one of my favorite rappers growing mm -hmm. up. Um, um, it's, it's similar to that type of vibe, to where people are like, whoa, yeah, this is deep. Like, okay, like this, at this concert, I cried, I laughed, I got hype, I got sweaty, all in one concert. So when I go home, I feel spent, you know what I mean? That's how, that's how my shows be. Nah, that's dope, man. I can't wait to see you, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, D, you got any uh, last words for your fans? Any shout-outs you'd like to give before we wrap it up here, man? Oh, man, I got to give a shout-out to my grandpa, man, um, my papa. Uh, you know, he, he the coolest dude in the world, and he honestly... Um, he 91 years old, man, and he, and he really just, once my grandma passed, you know, uh, they were married for 66 years, and I oh, knew wow. that this was gonna be a big life change for him. So I'm proud of myself for putting this album out after two years, but I'm more proud of my grandpa, you know, for, um, for being so strong and resilient over these two years, you know, when his whole life has changed, you know? And I've been putting him on my Instagram and stuff, and my grandpa done gone viral, Hayes. Like, my grandpa has such a huge <laughs> I've fan I've seen rate. a few of them. Yeah, bro, like, people love him. So I be walking through the airport in random cities, and people be like, D, how Papa doing? And I'm like, you the TSA <laughs> worker. You don't even know me. Like, how you asking about my grandpa? But uh, I just want to shout him out, really. Uh, and other than that, you know, as far as the fans, y'all know what it is with me, man. I keep them threes up at all times. Be real, be righteous, and be relevant, man. That's what I pray everybody, whoever listens to me, strives to do, because that's what Mission Vision is all about. And we out here, bro, and we ain't done. For sure. Nipsey Hustle of New Orleans, I'm blessing these streets TD Jakes over 808s, blessing these beats I'm Joe Clark when I teach, they leaning on me We flipping am When something happens to your kitchen, you might say This is ludicrous But that won't fix your home That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous Having trouble? Don't panic, don't be alarmed You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there that's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.